I take the time to understand what their goals are because it's not like street weed where you just get what you get. Like there's all kinds of there's oils and there's flour and there's capsules, you know, what's going to suit this person's lifestyle and their budget and sort of what strains do what. There's so much more to it than just what people think. Welcome to the Balanced Medics Handover Podcast. Are you questioning whether medicine is right for you and not sure what to do next? If so, you've come to the right place. This podcast is full of real examples of doctors that have gone down different paths to prove that it's possible to transform your life and that it's never too late. I'm your host, Isabella, the founder of Balance Medics and a doctor that left clinical medicine. If you're ready to make changes now and live a life more aligned with your own values, coaching could be for you. You don't need to stay stuck. Reach out and see what's possible at balancemedics.com forward slash coaching. And now to the podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Balance Medics Handover podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have Dr. Caitlin Gorey here to share her story with us. I met Dr. Gorey during my residency, and we bonded over the mutual desire of finding a non-traditional path in medicine. Dr. Gorey has found just that and is proving that you don't need to complete residency or have a specialty to thrive in medicine. After completing internship, she has moved on to work in cosmetic medicine with Fresh Clinics and the Mance Clinic. She is also the medical director of My Dispensary, a company that specializes in plant-based medicine and treatment, offering medical cannabis doctors in New South Wales. On top of this, Dr. Gorey is also a problem-based learning tutor for medical students. With six degrees under her belt, Dr. Gorey proves we really are more than medics. She has achieved all of this while living with invisible disability. I hope her story can show you that there's unlimited options out there for all of us and that you can thrive on whatever path you choose. Without further ado, let's hand over to Dr. Caitlin Gorey. Hi, Caitlin. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm really excited to get more into your journey, and I thought we could start with you sharing a bit more of your story and how you got to where you are now. I guess I'm from a really tiny town in outback North Queensland. Um, Excuse my puppy with his squeaky toy so yes very small town less than a thousand people we just got our first stop sign when I was like 15 it was very exciting but there was no like accessible healthcare. so we would only have locum doctors intermittently at that time I hadn't considered medicine as as like something I desired but I did know like given that I have my own health issues and, you know, my grandparents were getting older and they were the ones taking care of me, that that I wanted to be in some sort of health space so that I could help people. Initially, it was really public health-based, like that's really where my passion is. 
you know, if you call it your passion project or something, public health is definitely something that's for me. So I went and did um, a health science degree at a rural uni, which was Charles Darwin in Northern Territory. That was a really nice introduction, I suppose, to university because I did it online. It just helped me because I'm not the kind of person who learns via just sitting there and being spoken at. You know, online learning's not for everyone. But from there, I was like, okay, I don't think you can get a job in there. In it. Like, I don't think this is leading anywhere. So I kind of did pharmacy for, you know, to be a something. And then, you know, doing placements in pharmacy, realizing there's so many of these pharmacies now, like chemist warehouse and whatever, where you don't actually speak to your pharmacist. It's not like... Like in my small town, your one pharmacist knows everyone, knows everything about everyone, and that's kind of where I got the idea from. But in reality, unless you live in a very, very tiny town, you're never going to have that face-to-face with someone. So then I was like, okay, what's next for me? And it was medicine and basically just launched from there, like postgraduate stuff you know, public health, pain management is an interest of mine. So those are the sort of post-grad things I followed on with after, during and after medicine as well. So, yeah. And how did you make the decision that you wanted to be a doctor? So I had a car accident on a really rural road and I was on the road for, like on the side of the road for like maybe six hours or so until a train had gone by and radioed the next town because it's so rural, no no one's driving past. So, you know, that I was airlifted in in a care flight to Townsville, which is the nearest tertiary hospital. I had some good experiences. I had some bad experiences. And I just thought, well, and then I also was left with, a lot of damage. So chronic pain, chronic migraine, those are invisible, like truly. So at times it's like, oh, you're so young, you can't be in this pain. You just like, I, I felt like I was being told what I should and shouldn't feel. I thought I can do better than this. So that's kind of what led me to medicine because I felt like I could really listen to people and although everyone's situation is different, I think at the at the core of it, everyone just wants to feel heard. And a lot of times I just didn't feel that from a lot of my healthcare professionals. Sometimes I did, but yeah, like you just want to feel like you've been heard and seen. And I think that's what I try to give my patients. Wow. So it was something that was, you know, life threatening. Yeah. And then that big that big moment in your life wanting you to to make that change for other people so that they have a better experience yeah exactly so you know some people throughout the journey of like acutely being you know treated for the car accident and then the follow-on chronic pain and migraine and things you know I'd have a neurologist being like you can't be in this much pain it just can't be or this medicine should be working or a pain specialist being like you should feel this you should feel that without actually hearing me like yeah of course I'm young or I was even was 12 years younger than I am now so at 21 it's so hard to I suppose accept that you've had a life-changing thing your friends are partying and having fun and you're just trying to learn to walk again really with a walking stick or whatever and at the same time I also felt like 
So I get to watch everyone else live their life. And at the same time, I don't have the support from the medical professionals that I really felt like I needed at the time. And so I got stuck into this like sick role where I was like, I'm sick, I'm sick. You know, everyone kind of thinks when you don't have a lot of health experience, I think you're like, a pill will fix me, a pill will fix me. So I like I'm not gonna lie I was on lots and lots and lots of medications for a long time and it's a very much a a mindset where you just have to go okay these pills aren't gonna help me and they never will and that's something you have to do on your own but you can't do it while other people are questioning whether or not what you feel is real I hope that makes sense (laughs) yeah definitely thank you and thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I just want I just want other people to know that my patients especially that even though you know you can't see what they're feeling, what they're feeling is real and even if it's not real, it's real to them. You know what I mean? Like even if you don't believe that it's real, it's real to them. Yeah. And that's really all that matters. People want to feel seen and heard and supported. Definitely. Definitely. And how did you find medical school? How was that for you? Medical school was pretty good. I went to uh, Notre Dame, which was a smaller school, which I think, you know, had I gone to somewhere like UQ or UCID, that was like a massive school. I might have been lost in the crowd and quit. The university I was at, really big on pastoral care. So they really supported me. But I will say during my clinical years, there were some times where I'd have trouble, especially on, say, a surgical rotation. Like, I can't just stand there due to my back issues. Like, I've got chronic pain. I can't just stand around and not touch anything. And kudos to surgeons. They can do it for hours. But I just couldn't. And so sometimes that would be an issue. So things like that would be an issue. But I did feel that the head of school, Professor Ray Garrick, shout out to him, really supported me through that and, like, spoke up for me when I needed it. So I think my experience was pretty good in medical school because of the school I went to. I think I would have drowned somewhere else. That's great. So you had the support you needed in medical school. Yes. And how about internship? How was that for you? Internship was the worst time of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even express to you. Like, I I thought the year surrounding my car accident was the worst year of my life. But internship was awful. I was not supported. I was made to have all of these meetings that were supposedly aimed at supporting me. But I was made to go to an occupational doctor. Like, I disclosed. So before you start internship, you fill out all these forms like fitness to practice and things like that. I have no issues around being impaired and like no one has ever brought that up. And so I disclosed my health issues only so that they could be aware in case I had to have time off and things like that. It then became, before I had even started, it had became a massive issue. So I had to go see an occupational doctor and have them do a report on whether I was good enough to start internship. And I had someone from the resident support unit literally say to me, what have we done letting someone like this into like our cohort? And I'm like, 
how are you saying this to my face? And so I would also have all of these calls like, hey, we just want to chat to you. Can you come down to the resident support unit or whatever? And I would find that there wouldn't just be one person, there'd be two or three. Whilst it didn't I couldn't say it was bullying. It just felt like I was very intimidated a lot of the time. And when I had to take time off, it was unsupported, I suppose. And I also, separate to the car accident stuff, have a lung issue. And because it was COVID, I was sent home on lots of days. So like more than 14 days. And they turned that into an issue of me taking too much time off. So I was then performance managed and no one was there to advocate for me because they were saying, oh, we're here to help you, but why am I being performance managed when you're sending me home because you're uncomfortable that I have a cough during COVID? That was just awful. And like I could give thousands of examples, but yeah, like it was honestly the most, it was the hardest thing I've ever done and I've wanted to quit. And I've discussed it with you lots of times about having wanting to quit. Like it was just hell. So internship was bad. Yes. <laughs> and I think you kind of, you already spoke about this, but did you ever consider stepping away from medicine entirely? A hundred percent. Lots of times. Um, I thought I was finished internship and, you know, I was moving to a great opportunity in the Northern Territory. And when I got there, they were like, oh, you're three weeks short. And then, so I lost that opportunity. Had that, had I been told, you know, it was just all really... I guess it almost felt targeted where they were like, we just want her out. We won't tell her that we won't sign her off. And so then they made me feel like a big problem maker for trying to have special consideration and things like that. So I lost that opportunity and then I had to leave. So I spent thousands of dollars moving to the Northern Territory. Then I had to leave my husband and go to Mackay, who graciously took me in to finish. Mackay's in Queensland for people that don't know. In Queensland, yeah. But I'll also say that I had a lot of, we're here to support you again, but it was a surgical term and again I had those issues around oh let's just see how you go for a few more weeks we'll consider signing you off okay let's just see how you go again and what it felt like to me like the message I received was let's just see how you go for three weeks if you don't take a single day off we'll consider signing you off and then it would go like that where I'm sorry but I just can't do 14 hour days of standing in theatre or on the ward or whatever so of course I'm going to have to take a day off if I'm in pain. So it was this cycle about me not being able to finish internship and actually doing an extra like 12 weeks because they wouldn't sign me off because like they weren't convinced that I could do it but obviously I'm never going to be a surgeon like I'm realistic and I had to like go through this whole appeal process and the amazing head of medicine at the Mackay Hospital ended up like advocating for me, which was really nice. Um, so it's finally over. <laughs> it, it took a lot longer than I expected and a lot more money than I expected. And I am definitely not in the town or job or situation that I expected or wanted to be in. Thank you for sharing that because... I think it's so helpful for people that 
are finding internship and resident residency aren't happening you yeah. know like everyone else quote unquote because I think in medicine you're expected to just breeze through medical school don't have a year off don't have a break go into internship and residency fly through every yeah term without you know without a struggle but in reality every single intern every single one of them has struggled in internship so thank you for sharing your own struggles because it's definitely false that people don't have issues. A hundred percent. I don't know a single, like I don't have a single friend from a cohort that hadn't considered quitting. Like internship is the hardest thing. We all think medical school is hard, but it is nothing compared to internship. Like I don't know why they have to make it so sufferable. Like it's not necessary. It could easily be enjoyable. Yeah. But congratulations for finishing. What a journey. (laughs) Thank you. Finally. (laughs) Yes, yes. I had people like you supporting me. Um, I couldn't have, I genuinely couldn't have done it if I didn't have people like you to debrief with. So we debriefed together. (laughs) Thank you as well. So now you're working in so many unique opportunities, cosmetics, cannabis prescribing, problem-based learning, tutoring. What drew you to those fields? I just love teaching in general. Um, Like I did a bit of chemistry teaching um, at uni and things like that. So with the problem-based learning stuff, um, I, again, I really want to help my students to feel heard because there were times at university that like despite having any health issues, it can just feel like you're a number and it can feel like well-being Wednesday really just means we've ticked a box of trying to make sure that you're there for your well-being, but we don't actually care that much. So I think that drew me towards, you know, I like teaching, but I also want medical students to have a good experience in medical school because I had a good experience through my PBLs. I've made, you know, some of my best friends through there. And I think it's very person-based depending on who your teacher is and things like that. So I'm hoping that I can give back in that way. And it's the same uni that I went to. I'm grateful for that opportunity. In terms of cosmetics, aesthetic medicine is so interesting to me. I started enjoying it in medical school, doing lots of courses and things in my own time, shadowing friends in the industry. I I just love that you can give people back their self-confidence. It doesn't have to be what people think it is. It's not all these crazy duck lips and everything like People who have that, like, that's what they want. Like, that's great for them to look like that if that's what they want. But you don't have to look like that. So, you know, someone's come in and they've lost heaps and heaps of weight. And so they've got volume loss in their face and you replace it and they're like, oh, my God, I look like me again. That side of things, like, I really just like to see people... I guess, happy and thriving. And again, it's about being seen and heard. So why did they come in? It's not about what I think they should change. I never ask that. I ask them what they think they would like, like what their end goal is, and then we meet in the middle. So that's a little bit different to other clinicians who are like, okay, so I think we can fix this, this, and this. I prefer the whole, what are you unhappy with? And what what's realistic and what can we work on? Cannabis is 
part of my passion project, I suppose, and I've turned it into a career, which is amazing. Such a good opportunity. The owner of the company basically (laughs) spent six months kind of headhunting me. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to be a manager. At the end of the day, he was like, this is you. This is your story. He's really big on redemptions. You know, he understands that I have health issues and that is part of what makes me good for the role because a lot of our patients, so medicinal cannabis is not a first line treatment for any like health issue at all. So by the time patients get to us, they're fed up, they feel like they've given up on the health system, they've tried every medication, every treatment, whatever, whether that's chronic pain, anxiety, ADHD, insomnia, whatever. Like you don't get to us unless you're desperate. I think from my perspective, like I've said lots of times, sorry if it's repetitive, making those patients rather than just here's a script and buy, I take the time to understand what their goals are because it's not like street weed where you just get what you get. Like there's all kinds of there's oils and there's flour and there's capsules, you know, what's going to suit this person's lifestyle and their budget and sort of what strains do what. There's so much more to it than just what people think. I think what makes me good in the role is that I try my best to listen to patients' goals and if we can get there to help them sleep say and you check in a month later and they're like this has completely changed my life how great is that like it's just so different to your traditional pain specialist and I think working with a pain specialist would be great um some of them are a bit resistant which is fine but your traditional pain specialists aren't usually going to prescribe or have the knowledge or the time to learn all of the products patients really I guess appreciate the fact that I put in the time and effort to both listen to them but also learn about all of the products so that I can appropriately give them what's going to help them with their goals, not with what I think they should be fixing. That's a great description of what cannabis prescribing is because I think most people, especially in Australia, because it's quite a new thing here, don't have any idea about what it involves and you might just think it's just script providing but it's more than that. It's a final, it's kind of a last line treatment and it's, there's so many options to it. Yeah, exactly. And this is their sort of last line where they're like, if this doesn't work, then I just give up kind of thing. And it's about providing hope really. So I had a pain specialist once tell me medications aren't worth taking, none of them, none, including Panadol, because they only help 10 to 20%. And I thought to myself, well, you obviously don't have chronic pain because sometimes 10 to 20% improvement can mean the difference between getting out of bed and going to work or not. So, and that can be applied to any chronic health issue, not just pain, like anxiety. 10 to 20% improvement in anxiety can mean the difference between you being able to leave the house or not, or insomnia, a 10 to 20% improvement in your sleep can mean the difference between how functional you are at work the next day. Like I think 10 to 20% is a lot for someone with chronic pain and they appreciate that. I think when you don't come from a space where you 
have experienced it and not that I would wish that on anyone to have a chronic health condition. It's just if you don't have one, sometimes you can't really fully understand. Yeah, definitely. Um, and do you mind going more into what the day-to-day job is like? So in, in my dispensary? Yep. So I'm the medical director. So I do sort of half seeing patients and half managing things. So I do clinics, which at the moment are telehealth, but we're about to open a face-to-face, which will be amazing, which means we'll have New South Wales first cannabis only pharmacy. So patients will be able to come have their assessment by one of our doctors and leave with their product. Whereas currently I see the patient via telehealth and then we send the script to some pharmacy that suits the person and they can either pick it up or have it posted. So that process can take up to a week at the moment, which can be a little bit frustrating, I guess, when you're excited to try something that might change your life, you really want to get that going. So I, I have maybe three days a week where I do clinics, four days a week, and then patients who are already on the program, they've got a nice, steady, they're stable on their medications. We're not playing around with them if we're happy to just re-script like it's same as a GP like so I spend some of my time re-scripting making sure that if they need to be seen by one of our nurses every three months then setting that up I speak with a lot of the MSLs so the people who are the liaisons for the companies. I like to connect with them and really keep up to date on all of the new products coming out. It's like makeup. It's just constantly coming out. You have to keep on top of it or you'll lose the most up-to-date information. So I spend a lot of time doing that. It's quite varied. And then I also have the management side of things where um, I'm obviously trying to support the doctors that I've trained to do the clinics and the scripting and also support my admin staff who same as any other sort of clinic or store you know if there's a refund if someone realizes they can't drive while on the program and they've decided not to do it then we just refund them you know things like that so it's busy um and I'm a yes person, so I say yes to a lot of things. As you know, if I have to work into the night, I kind of do that. And leading up to the opening of the clinic, it's been really busy. So I'm hoping it cools down a little bit once we have our face-to-face. Now I've got a good amount of doctors and I've even trained some of my medical school friends and it's been amazing to have them also learn and see, like you said, that it's not just a script like it's you supporting someone at their wits end it's been really great to train new doctors who I personally know and see them change from sympathy to empathy which has been awesome that's so great thank you for describing your day-to-day role so what requirements would someone need to get into this industry so the cannabis industry realistically you need an interest It's not just, it's not a locum job. Like I don't, 
I wouldn't want to hire someone who was just in it for the money because I wouldn't expect that anybody would have a thorough knowledge of it. If you're getting into the industry, then you probably don't know anything about it other than it exists because it's so new. So realistically, you only have to be a registered medical doctor. And we also have nurses as well. So if there's any nurses listening, you know, you can also be a registered nurse because we rely on our nurses to do the three monthly checkups. But yeah, in terms of doctors, all that we're looking for from my company's perspective and as a leader in my company is that you're a registered medical doctor and you're willing to learn. So I'm happy to train you. I'm happy to pay for you to become an authorized prescriber. I'm happy to share my knowledge and you know, our other doctors feel the same way. There's no expectation that you know anything because it is such a new industry. As long as you have an interest in it, you know, you could count it as something easy because it is a telehealth job. It's it's great. It's an awesome job, especially if you've got health issues or things like that. But at the same time, if you can't keep up with the right products, then you're doing a disservice to your patients. Like wanting to continue professional development is important to me that you want to do that as well. Okay, great. And do you need to have finished your internship? Yes. So you need to have general registration, which yeah, basically just means you finish your internship. You don't have to have had anything beyond that you don't have to have had PT or your be on any program or anything like that that may change in the future but for now all the literal legal requirements are just that you've finished your internship so now's an awesome time because it's starting to boom you know like the industry I think we do have done in the first quarter of last year we wrote the same amount of scripts as the entire year before, like as a country. So it's now's the time if you're interested in it to definitely get on board. And I'm always looking for doctors. So if anyone listening is interested, I'm definitely willing to train and share my knowledge and help people learn and understand. And even if you don't want to get into the industry to work, you just want to know a little bit more about it. I think anybody who works in the industry would be more than happy to share their knowledge because We've had a lot of psychiatrists and pain specialists who don't want to prescribe themselves because of whatever reason. Maybe they don't have time to learn or they don't feel comfortable with their own knowledge, which is totally fine. But then they learn from us and trust us as specialists in that field. So they recommend their patients to us and then it becomes collaborative, which is really awesome. I guess some specialists, even older ones who might be, you know, thinking no way I would ever do this once they find out some knowledge they'll pass their patients on to us which is awesome and then we write them letters they write us letters just like any other specialist so that's really nice that's great to know so basically an interest in the industry and general registration and you can you can get into this industry and learn yes contact one of us just contact one of the companies that you that resonates with you so check their websites out if their values resonate with you then like I said business is booming so it's highly likely that whatever company you contact is probably going to want to take you that's great that's really exciting and do you mind touching a little bit on what the remuneration is like doctors get paid per patient that they see it's a balance between rescripts which pay a little bit less so say $20 per script 
but that might mean, you know, you've got 10 patients and they each need two or three scripts. And if you can bang out a script online in 10 seconds, like that's pretty easy money, I'd say, just for a boost at the end. And seeing new patients, you'd get about $60 and then 40 for a review. So because they're different time lengths that you would see patients for, half an hour versus 15 minutes. I've kind of done an average because when I'm trying to recruit doctors, like that's not the kind of maths they want to do in their head. It's about 200 an hour, but it can be more depending on how many rescripts you want to do, which I think is quite decent considering you can come in straight after internship. Yeah, that's quite comparable with a lot of other jobs out there like GP, you know, pharmaceutical jobs as well. Yeah. And I even have someone who is on the GP training program and does this one day a week. At the end, when she's finished GP, she'll be able to take her own patients and also the knowledge that she's gained from working with us and be able to help those patients like even more. That's great. That's great. Now, there's a few more questions before you go. I ask this for everyone, but what does balance mean to you? Balance is hard, I think. Balance to me means that you have a good ratio of work and whatever's important to you. So whether that's family or dog time or friend time or whatever. So it's not about me going, it's work and family time. Balance as general means to me that you have a role that you don't wake up and want to cry about before going to work every day, which is what internship was for me, as well as being able to recognize as a doctor, we always work, 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 but we need to fill our cups up with whatever that means to us. And if we don't do that, then that's a disservice to our patients. Balance for me means taking care of yourself, which means the flow effect of that is that you can better take care of your patients. Being a doctor is amazing. It's a gift. It's a special you know, not everyone gets in. People try so hard to get into medicine. I get it. I did the GAMSAT four times. So if you can find a space, a job, a career where you can thrive in that area, as well as be able to take the time to do whatever's special to you, then that's what I would consider having true balance. That might be something you can never quite reach, but you're always trying to get to. That's so good. That's such a great way of describing it. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is there anything else you'd like to add that you think could help the listeners Um, people who are searching for more in medicine? Yeah. Look, I think I would love everyone to know that medicine is hard, but there's a place for everyone. And that might not feel, it might not feel that way in medical school and internship because it is very finish medical school, get on a program, finish that program. Like everyone sort of gears you towards this one pathway or the normal pathway. But there are so many things, clinical and non-clinical, that you can do that can fit your lifestyle 
no matter what issues you have, even if you don't have issues, if you just want a better lifestyle. And if you do have health issues, please don't let the people who aren't as supportive as they should be let you down and make you think that you can't be someone or there's no place for you in medicine. You can find something that's for you. And I definitely thought lots of times that there was nothing for me in medicine and that I had no place. That was my thoughts up until very, very recently. Now I've got my general registration. I can see that there's freedom in that. Whether you want to work part-time or you want to work full-time, you can find something that's for you and it doesn't have to be the typical way that everyone says it has to be. There's no rush. If you want to take a year or two to find what works for you or find yourself or just do something fun in medicine for a year or two before you go to that program that you want to do, that's okay. There's no race. I have often felt like comparing myself to my friends and that's really, really hard. You shouldn't compare yourself to anybody in medicine. People take time off at different parts of their careers. If you want to do that at the start, then you should. It's like taking a gap year after high school. Like I definitely think if you need a break from medicine after internship, go do something fun. Definitely. You don't need to do the conveyor belt of medicine. You can hop off. Exactly. Now, how can people best find you and reach out to you? I don't have social media, unfortunately. So people can best reach me via my email and I reply to everyone. And even if that's just you as a medical student or a new doctor wanting to know a little bit more about the industry or wanting to get into the industry, but you're not quite ready, I'm more than happy to reply to your emails. I have a a few mentees that are medical students and I'm more than happy to give advice and things like that. That's great. And I'll put uh, Caitlin's email in the show notes if you want to reach out to her. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing your story. It was so helpful. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Balance Medics Handover podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, I'd love for you to take a minute to rate and review this podcast and click the follow button. For more resources, check out the Balance Medics website. The link to this will be in the show notes below. See you next episode.